We're here in the podcast studio. It's kind of a surprise event. Like Thurk and I were uh, coming back from dinner and cocktails. And uh, who do we find in the parking lot? But Mr. Joe Holmes. I don't know what he's here for. Um, but he's got something to say. He rolled up in this gigantic fucking rental car. I was just like, dude, don't you care about the environment? And he said, I don't know. It's the presidential line, but that's one step down from the dictator line. And if I really didn't give a fuck at all about the environment i'd be driving the dictator level rental car i i walk towards a dictator level rental car i mean they can be attractive i mean with with the spinners and all and the oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. big machetes. wheels small i tires. think there's a machete that came with was it. there a flamethrower oh see that's that's uh that's like joeberg level sort of mugabe level Ooh, snap <laughs> The only person who can be considered a hero for reducing the life expectancy of the people of the nation that he was, you know, whose welfare he was supposed to be looking after by almost 40% in a very short fucking period of time. I mean, you know, if that was the objective, he was very effective. That's how we're opening this. Yeah. Mugabe. Mugabe. Dictator level rental cars (laughs) here in Salt Lake City, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so obviously... Um, if that's happening, some alcohol has been consumed because, because otherwise you don't go, you don't go full dictator without, you know, the truth of wine it was running a good, through your system. It was a good flight from, uh, Detroit, Michigan. Detroit. Yeah. I, thanks for coming directly from out in the, what they call that? The Midwest when it's seriously not even, it's in the Eastern time it's zone. It's more How Mideast. It like? I think it's Mideast. It's Mideast. But that has like a Which, negative connotation. So it's, I we mean, just call it flyover states. So De- Detroit, though, um, amazing. An, an, an area of Detroit, a little bit west of the city of itself. I recall there is an extensive sort of Middle East vibe there. True. As Dearborn, well, I believe, is the place. Dearborn, as well as uh, a lot of. Uh, that influence in uh, good old Toledo, Ohio. So, uh, and you were South Detroit. Uh, South Detroit is Toledo. Is yeah, that what you're like saying? the Journey song. Oh, you know. Yeah. See, I don't listen to the lyrics of the Journey song. I just love the the pitch of Steve Perry's voice. That's really what gets me off. Well, you know, growing up in Northwest Ohio in the '70s, I have had a um, running playlist of Rick Ocasek. Of, of course you did. Week. But did you ever see Journey in concert when Greg Rowley was still in the lineup? I did not. So I got that on you. Oh. Neil Sean, however, has been throughout, and he's uh, not a bad guitar player. See, and all the people who think like, oh, Twy, he's just into punk rock. I'm like, I have a prog rock roots, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was actually telling, t- telling the story sometime today about the influence of punk rock and this and that. And I was like explaining, you know, that I had seen rush three times and I saw Emerson Lake and Palmer and I saw yes. And I saw sticks. I mean, sweet Madam blue. That's a fucking killer song. Tommy, man, that guy was a good guitar player. Anyway. Um, 
it's not just three chord descending kind of stuff. I got to say that uh, I have embraced my Northwest Ohio musical roots as of late because who doesn't like a little Billy Squire once in a while? Oh, stroke me. <laughs> I, wait, I didn't mean that. <laughs> I, I meant that was the hit. <laughs> I think only one. No, there was another one because um, I didn't really like that one. <laughs> Here in the dark. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, see, that was tasty also. I did have... Come on, hit me with some more Northwest stuff. Uh, Obviously, you're a Pat Benatar fan. Well, that and I actually waited on Pat Benatar when I was a uh, waiter when, when, when in you Malibu. In, when you were in food service. Yes. Nice. My, my long and storied career in this food service <laughs> industry. <laughs> Trying for sommelier, but never, nah, you know. never, never quite made it. I did. We did have the uh, the French maitre d who pulled me aside one time, and was like, <laughs> "As they do, we do not say forks here. This is not one of your Ohio hamburger joints." Ouch! Yeah, you know. So it was eighty six folks for that particular thing, but yeah. <laughs> Waited up, Pat what, what, what did he want you to say? I, you in know, place I, of folks. I, you know, I'm not sure. But okay, people, citizens. Yeah, possibly. Free citizens after the revolution. Well off citizens because they <laughs> because were dining in Cross Creek in Malibu. In Malibu, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> but yeah, Pat Benatar, she was a frequent diner with uh, Kevin Nealon and uh, Scott Hamilton of mm. Ohio Roots. The Scott Hamilton. Yes. God damn. I'm, 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 I don't I, know I, how I, we got in this tangent. I'm, but. I'm, I'm, I'm ha- feeling sort of a half level of envy at the moment, but um, yeah, man, we went, so we went Journey, Billy Squire, Pat Benatar, but you had led with Rick Ocasek. So, so like, do we just, do and, we take him? And, and I also heard a lot of Billy Joel. When I was back, ooh, ouch! Actually, little, little piano man, no, little, piano man, p- lyrics okay. to piano man. No, no, there's, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna discount it. I might ever, I might have actually owned a Billy Joel album back in the day. Can't remember which one, but it had a few hits on it. Glass houses. I uh, don't think so. But um, you wanted to talk about something, otherwise we wouldn't be in here. <laughs> or, or maybe we just found you in the parking lot and said, "Hey, we have alcohol inside. You look homeless. Would you like a cocktail?" I got a nice bottle of wine that needs attention. Eh, you know, something like that. Yeah, I believe something like Yeah, all of those things actually did happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Joe, what the fuck are you doing here? There's something going on this weekend. I don't know. Some oh, that. gathering. Some, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gathering. Yeah. It's not like the quickening, but it's kind of like a, it is a gathering. Because there's going to be more than one. The, obviously. There has to be. Right. Because if there's... Because of the sequels. It, well, yeah, and because you know what happens when you're... If there's only one, you end up with someone who uses Twitter for, you know, policy and shit. Well, I did come from Toledo, so I may have a Salamanca blade. Well played, Joe Holmes. Well played. You've been in Ohio. I have. I saw that you... Took our friend Berkey for a little bike ride. I did. 
I talked to him today. Oh. He said, he's here also. He said something like, I went for a bike ride with Joe and I lost my voice <laughs> and left it hanging. And I'm just like, what in the fuck does that mean? Like, is he yelling at Joe? Slow down. Or the opposite. Because, you know, Berkey can probably fucking break a set of strong light cranks, the day, you know, whatever day he chooses to. Um, do you guys just talk so much that, you know, I noticed my favorite part about that whole bike ride thing, which I totally kind of wanted to comment on but didn't, was there was four people on the road. Only one choosing to wear a helmet. Interesting you should say that. Because <laughs> when Berkey showed up and I saw him put a helmet on, I just looked at him and I said, just so you know, you're probably going to be the only one wearing one of those on this ride. Nice. No judgment. Yeah. Just information. This is just information. It wasn't always this way. And then... That said... I have seen two incidents recently where helmet was probably kind of critical to the outcome. Yeah, two wrecks that both involving cars. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So if you just took the driver out of the equation, you don't need a helmet. But right, yeah. And if you take the phone out of the driving equation, you probably don't need shoulder pads. Or well, it was interesting full when leathers. When, when I was in Northwest Ohio and out on my own, minding my own business, and literally <laughs> not even one mile into my bike ride. So they put a lot of traffic circles in around where I grew up. Traffic's and, like a roundabout? You mean yes, rotaries? Exactly. Hmm. All of the above. But without the education about oh, no. what to do when approaching no, 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 something no. which is circular and blocking your direct forward progress. Exactly. I couldn't understand yeah. that. I was driving through town today. I was up by Park City and they have these directionals telling you where to get in, where to get out. It, Yeah. Why? Because people don't know. It's unbelievable to me. Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah. Go to everybody. Did they, have, like, did they have on the directional thing? You should use your turn signal because that's how these operate efficiently. I don't know. I hit someone, so I just kept going. <laughs> I couldn't. I can't be bothered with that sort of thing. <laughs> Wait, a turn signal in a round, in like in a roundabout? In a I know. Unbelievable. So anyway, exit, like, exit said People traffic are circles. looking everywhere except for someone's fucking turn signal when they go to a traffic signal and don't know what to do. Yeah, okay. So anyway, exit traffic circle. Yeah. Minding my own business. And a guy in a BMW convertible. Okay. We already have a pretty good picture of what's going on here. <laughs> Comes by uh, me, comes by me, yeah, and points at his head and says, "Helmet, helmet," and I looked at him and I said, "What about your helmet? Because you're in a convertible." <laughs> it left it at that. Left it at that. Nice. I would have been a little more terse and direct, but I appreciate your. It was in the your, beginning of the bike ride. Your eloquent. Oh yeah, actually, good point. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wasn't. I was not in a mood. Yeah, not yet. Yeah, not yet. Did he put you in one? I was pretty fired up after that. I, <laughs> oh, I that. bet. Yeah, I was That's actually like, looking to wait, see if he turned you're in. You're riding. You're driving. You're driving a convertible. 
I happen to have a paper bag full of my own feces and a lighter and some lighter fluid. <laughs> Shall we play? Like, yeah. uh, what are you fucking? Jesus Christ. BMW oh, sorry, sorry, Keegan, didn't mean to take. Wait, you're not Jesus. You're endurance, endurance Jesus. Jesus. That's different than Jesus Christ, right? I did tell my niece that okay. that's what we called him. And was she even more interested? I got some looks. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's fun. I've got some friends who are true believers, and they listen to the podcast, and every every now and then I just think, like, Ah well, you guys know what you've always known what I've been. When I'm a, you believe what you 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 know you got your thing, I got mine, and I got a big mouth. So we're not atheists. We're kind of like um, I don't even know what to call it, but the organized version of it, which is designed for control, population control, not a fan. Uh. Let's so, not go there. You've just come from Toledo, so let's not go there. And a funeral. And a funeral. Oh, was it a non-denominational funeral? So. Hey, hey, you're not obliged to throw anyone under the bus here, although that is highly encouraged. Um, you know, if you don't want to talk about it, man. I will say this. So, so <laughs> uh, unexpected. Yeah. Kind of. Um. The individual uh, whose funeral I was attending had been excommunicated by the Catholic Church. Okay, because he had he was divorced. Oh, savage! So, excommunicated. Oh, what a what a filthy non-believer! So <laughs> remar- remarried for a very long time. Okay, had two kids. Um, the kids were so, adamant that there wait, was... Wait, wait, wait. Let me get the order here. Divorce, excommunication, remarriage, yes. long-term relationship producing children yes. who could possibly become new good Catholics. Yes. Okay. Not welcomed back? They The children wanted nothing to do with a denominational... Uh, oh, so they're Unitarians. Awesome. Funeral procession with people talking about him who didn't know him. Okay, I'm down with the kids. So I sat there and listened to a deacon read from... Man, I haven't heard that term in a while. A book of whatever and talk about mythical fake people and... And some ideas that were actual psychedelic visions, but then got passed off as... Yeah, okay. Exactly. Wow. It was interesting. I, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been troubled by in similar situations of the talking about without having known and the, yeah. 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 But back to Berkey losing his voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you, oh. I'm distracted. I apologize. Yes, back to Berkey losing his voice. Had nothing to do with denominations or lack thereof. Right? I mean, he wasn't One, shouting about God at the top of his lungs, was no, he? No, he was not. Okay. He did say something about hating me, I think, at some point. Well, I believe he said the same thing to Emily, and how could you hate Emily? <laughs> I did tell Emily to uh, twist the knife a little bit. 
Okay. When I found out she was riding with Berkey. Yeah. It's yeah. We had a little now. conversation about that. Actually, it was super fun to spend some time on the bike with her um, up in Idaho. I'm, I'm sad that I missed that. I'm not sad about the opportunity that made yeah. me miss that, but that sounded like a good time. It, well, it was a time. <laughs> and therefore, I there mean, there were if, a lot of people there that I would have liked to have hung out with. Yes. Including someone who came up to you and dropped a name. Totally, okay. <laughs> so, uh, and this was kind of, and that was before, you know, I got up there a couple, I had decided this year not to do the stage race because I would not have been able to finish um, and could have crashed and hurt myself badly. So, uh, but I did go up on, on Wednesday. So I was there for the Thursday or Friday, whatever. I was there for the time trial day. And so Karen's just like, hey, we're doing cheer, like cheer squad because she wasn't racing this year either. And I'm like, that's awesome. Let's go. And so I did, you know, rode out to the start of the, because the, the time trial at RPI is you ride 20 miles out this gravel road, totally neutral. You get to the start of the, t- the uphill 4.8 or 4.5 mile t- uphill time trial. Um, and people start, they, they ride up that, they ride back down and you ride 20 miles back to town. So it's like a 50 mile day or whatever. And um, so... I, I had altered my state of consciousness before starting this ride and we go out and it's fantastic. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just was super cool to see, watch the tension escalate the closer to the start we got and then watch people just fucking going for it and having a, you know, and then come back down shattered, but having had a, you know, but by the time they're back down they're they're, they've kind of forgotten how fucked up they are because the endorphins have kicked in and everybody's just super high on that. And you ride the 20 miles back to town and almost into town. Some guy rolls up on my shoulder and he's like, Hey, can I ask you something about your kit? I'm like, um, yeah. And Emily's with me. Karen's with me or I'm with them. Cause I'm like the hanger on cause they're both got engines bigger than mine. And, um, um, he's like Tete la course, right? And I'm like, yeah. He said, "Where's that from?" And I go, "Oh, that's ah, my friend Joe Holmes. You know, he's got a sort of an organization. He trains some people and this and that." And he goes, "I thought so. I know Joe from dot dot dot. You know, like way back when." And then the conversation started. And I'm just, Emily is just like, she's just got, she's totally quiet, but she's got that shit eating grin on her face. Like, oh my God, this is gold. <laughs> so I'm like, so wait, you, you knew Joe in Ohio. Oh yeah. From, I knew Joe before you, you know, before anyone. He, he knew me from the Ohio State University. Yeah. Mountaineering club. Mountaineering club. And then, <laughs> then he drops like, yeah, and I climbed Mount Rainier with Joe, and then Joe introduced me to my wife, and da 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 da. And then, you know, then some more details are divulged, and I'm just like, wait, <laughs> Joe was illegally guiding on Mount Rainier with this particular <laughs> client. You met them, and you married her. Married his client. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, you can't make this shit up. And here we are. That's in, pretty much how it went. <laughs> outside of, you know, we're like riding our bikes and, you know, outside of Sun Valley in Idaho and talking about the dude who's supposed to be here, but is not. 
holy, this is amazing. And they just give me shit. It's like, next time you see him, you know, because I know he drives from Seattle down to Salt Lake to see you sometimes. Catch him is like kind of a logical stopping point. I'm just like, yeah, he always stops in Boise, which, you know, whatever. I'll make sure he comes <laughs> to visit you next time. So, Joe, uh, you do have an open invitation to cruise up and see Adam anytime you're driving the van through uh, that zone. Yeah, was, and you should. And if you do, I will come up because the writing there is incredible. It was pretty funny that when I got the message from him, it was like, uh, so uh, I forget how he put it, but it was like, uh, do you know, uh, I'm at this thing and RPI and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know some people there. Oh, my God, that's <laughs> hilarious. It's like, Adam, it's like home roads. This must be, and then on the on the Sunday at the tail end of the big, we saw each other a few times on the on the road out there, and then like, kind of came through the finish line, uh, roughly around the same time, or some somehow we ended up riding the last four miles back after you crossed the finish line. It's four miles, and we rode that back to town together and chatted a little bit. Uh, he was he seemed like a pretty cool guy. It's it's cool how um, I mean, really, what a small world it is. <laughs> You know, no I mean, like seriously, like, <laughs> like the guys. Well, so the guys. So what happened really after that? We get back into town. I run into Selena. We go eat. We're sitting there eating, and I'm watching. So that so we just run into Adam, and I'm like, okay, there's a Jill Holmes fucking reference, okay. And then we're sitting there eating. Um, it Emily and Selena and I were, and Sparkle was there, of course. And uh, I'm like, watch, I see this guy walking down the sidewalk in front of the place we're eating at with a Jim Joe's t-shirt on. <laughs> and, and I was kind of out of my head a little bit. And so I was like, who the fuck? <laughs> oh, it's Paul Becker. Okay. That makes sense that he would have that shirt because not many people have that shirt. And so he and Rosa come over and, you know, greet Sparkle and we talk a little bit. But, but afterwards, Emily goes... Who is this Joe Holmes guy? He's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, you've you've had a Okay. I was going to say you've had a positive influence on a lot of people, but let me just say Joe, you've influenced a lot of people. Something negative for sure. Yeah. <laughs> not going to deny I'm just, it. I'm not a not I just don't want to judge. I, you know, I only saw the good, but I assume that that's balanced with uh at least 20% less I'm, good. I'm excited that for this uh, not quickening, maybe yeah, gathering. Maybe gathering, for sure. Thing for for sure it's gathering, this yeah. Weekend, uh, that uh, Heidi and Emily, super excited about Heidi coming. Yes. She's literally, so <laughs> she's been in Europe for two months racing her bike mm -hmm. at the highest level. Uh and last is, stage of the last race was today yesterday yesterday okay so she's i don't know packing her bags now she doing might laundry, be packing probably. her bags right now <laughs> yeah she's gonna get on a plane uh from france mm -hmm. probably a connection somewhere gonna land in seattle meet up with emily hey if you fly delta there's a direct flight from uh well i don't know about seattle yeah it's gotta be a direct but alaska whatever. yeah okay getting on a flight with emily so they're meeting in the airport? With meeting in the airport. Heidi's literally landing in the airport, Staying. hanging around for a little bit, and getting on a plane to come here. 
She needs a little break, and okay. uh, because she's gonna partake in an endeavor that uh, a package that I believe arrived at your place. It did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I didn't open it. Yeah. You know, would, didn't want to be too presumptuous. Thought so it was addressed to Joe Holmes, sent to me. As as yeah. a as things the, have in the past. As, as things have happened in the past. So it's like no surprise. I'm like, oh, Joe's coming, so shit's arriving in the mail for him, of course. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But kind of for her. Okay. You know? Yeah. And We're going to present it. Can't, I don't know how to, you know, I don't. who knows if this will ever see the light, but. What, this podcast? Yeah. Oh, this is going out tomorrow. Awesome. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I, or. Maybe in two days. I, it, 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 well, it won't require much editing because neither of us give a fuck. <laughs> Zero fucks together. Yeah. Okay. But uh, so Heidi, uh, so cyclocross national championships yeah. are happening in the Seattle area. Okay. Uh, Tacoma, Stellacom. Stellacom. Big run-ups at Stellacom, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, Stellacom. How do you say it? No, you got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, yeah. uh, well, but you're from there. <laughs> I just live there. Yeah. <laughs> Tourist. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. I have, I have my Seattle sombrero somewhere. It's anyway. Uh, <laughs> don't you have to have one as soon as you like start paying property taxes there, you get your Seattle sombrero in the mail or something. Exactly. Yeah. So she wanted to do, cyclocross. which is basically an umbrella you wear on your head, right? Yeah, with a drawstring. Yeah. So it doesn't blow off. Yeah. In the but, y you know, you got to admit, I mean, so the company that makes the Seattle Sombrero that started making it was a very small company in the beginning, started by a guy named Ron Gregg, who was a good friend back in the day. And uh, it, you got to admit, you know, he, tar he, hit, he, he found a target market and they all just fucking piled on. So, like, full, so full circle on that. Okay. Heidi's... Um, Gentleman friend, okay, works for that for company. OR. Okay, yes. yeah. Sadly, Ron is uh, no longer involved. I'm going to get a Seattle sombrero just for this <laughs> endeavor that we're doing. So anyway, Heidi wanted to do cross nats. Yeah, backyard. Yeah, her professional team wasn't able to support her. Okay, uh, for various reasons. So her non-professional dear friend and sometimes coach. Uh, All-time coach. All-time coach. Okay. But didn't want to assume because, you know, sometimes when riders start riding for pro teams, they get assigned folks to nope. tell them how Not to train. <laughs> Even though the person that got them to the level that allowed them to access the pro team might actually be the better coach for that particular individual. We, Just we, saying. We can talk about Vuelta stuff later, but... Surely, as long as we talk about Slovenia. Yes. Because uh, stage 20, you want to talk about putting the fucking knife in yeah. and twisting and saying, how do you like me now? I uh, saw a great... I was pretty proud. I saw a great tweet that said, uh, the Vuelta is the zero fucks given Grand Tour. Oh, yeah. It's true. Yeah. So. Holy fucking level of excitement this year. Yeah. 
Yeah, never, it's not not seen since Roberto Haras was riding a bike. Well, and I think even the tour this year was yeah. non-script. Yeah. Yeah. So let's not make this a, like a like a observers talking about other people racing bikes podcast though. That's true. Yeah. So anyway, Heidi. Yeah. Doing a cross. I'm supporting her. Some locals are supporting her. Rock and and there's a thing that we're going to present to her. Excellent. When we're here. Good. And I'm excited about it. And I'm excited that she's here. Thurk, I hope you will be there to document this. And uh, yes, that is affirmative. All right. It's cool. Okay. Uh, just let me know when I bring the pa- need to bring the package. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in my bag tomorrow and bring it down. All right. Hand it to you to decide what the timing is going to be. So I was all fired up. You got fired up reading some shit. I was reading some shit. Reading some old shit. Some sermon shit. <laughs> some Sunday like, fucking some, sermon some, shit. Some proselytizing shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. I got the, a lot of notes. So, so, so the, the, I guess that we got to, you know, prep this like sermons. Yes. Back in the day, I had a other business and part of, you know, my involvement in that business um, one of my sort of tasks was to write a uh, some kind of philosophical treatise about like picking shit up and putting it down every Sunday, which after some years, as I was mentioning to Thurk tonight, uh, made me really fucking hate Sundays. Because sometimes, you know, Sunday comes along and you got nothing to, I had nothing to write about. This is not, you got nothing to write about, folks. I'm not talking about you. Because you got nothing to write about ever. Writing something on demand, on a schedule, something that matters, something with feeling, something that comes from the heart, the guts, the soul, whatever. Uh, not always possible to turn that on. So, um, so some of those uh, sermons, by the time that I downloaded all of them at the end, because it, it was my sort of creation, copyrighted material, et cetera, I collected them all. There was 221, Joe, something like that. It's over 200, some years of doing that. And uh, I figure that 100 of those are okay, and 50 of them are probably really fucking good. So part of Joe's uh, assignment as a project manager, let's say, I thought I was fired from that. Well, you did get fired from project manager, but if you if you just decided on your own volition to like start like helping cull the you know fire up the thresher, so to speak. Fire up exactly. Um, if you decided that uh, that work needed to be you know you needed to get down with that, um, I totally appreciate it because it is the it is the next project. It's the a, a book of those sermons from that represent you know, what was going on in that time. And, uh, and it was interesting that to me, uh, the reason that y- uh, you received a, l- a letter, I think, I have received some letters. Oh yeah. Are we, we can totally talk about that. Oh, you mean the cease and desist letter? So you received a cease and desist letter and, um, correct me, if I'm fuzzy on the details, but I believe it was because you were being, uh, quote, a little too negative uh, on these sermons. 
Uh, am I, am I, I, am I, am I correct in the generalization there? I'd, I'd, I'd love to be able to pull that up on my phone right now to get the exact you know words, but I can't. Um, so, but it wasn't about the negativity. It was about how it made people feel. Questioning the uh, you know what we were doing, what we were thinking, what we were saying, which was basically the the, the premise of that particular organization in the first place. Right. I don't know why Theric is pouring <laughs> multiple <laughs> sort of shots here. Anyway, um, so it was, so, th so there was this very positive momentum that had been, uh, thank you, sir, um, uh, th that was um, positive in the sense of like we know everything positive in the sense of we're very uh certain of these ideas that we're putting forth positive in the sense that there is money tied to being certain and teaching shit and the whole premise in the beginning was, look, I question everything. I question myself most of all. I question everybody who's involved in this. I question their motives. I question why the fuck they want people to be looking at them and listening to them in the first place, and me uh, included in that. And a lot of the sermons were just like, you know, in, in that era, were questioning the direction of something which was becoming a large commercial enterprise. People within that commercial enterprise who stood to benefit did not appreciate someone questioning these ideas, this momentum, this whole thing. And um, so the lawyer for the company of which I owned 49% uh, was engaged to tell me to basically fucking shut my mouth. I think my response was that if um, you're sitting in a church and you're hearing a sermon that you actually posted the exact definition of a sermon, which was, you know, had something about asking questions right. and self-criticism within it. Yep. And an admonition, admonition, I believe. Admonishing, and, yes. Admonishing people. And that is sort of, I, I think that's what people most, like people who were involved in trying to, like, help carry the business were most concerned about that the sort of, you know, former figurehead of the business because it was the other big ass loudmouth that had trying to you know was trying to take over um uh but they were sort of troubled by the fact that they were being admonished for doing something that they thought they were doing right which i can understand but the whole point was like i'm trying to make you ask questions of yourself like you came here for answers i gave you questions you the other dude gave you answers. It's easier to accept answers than to accept questions because questions then demand that you answer the, those questions on your own. It demands and no that, one fucking wants that. It demands no one that you look at yourself. Exactly. Rather than just doing what you're told to do and then getting a pat on the back for it. Yep. So, yeah, I got a letter. And then that all stopped and then I was, you know... Um, you know, then then I was out of business, and now it's now now that particular business is a different thing. 
and what I'm doing here is a different thing. What we are doing here is a different thing. And the ideas that helped establish and carry that initial sort of project, they're still, you know, many of them are still valid. And so since those ideas, you know, uh, came from this, uh, we're, they're going to be, uh, they're going to get out there again. So I've spent a lot of time in the last three weeks on airplanes. <laughs> a lot. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. If, Only if, if you pay sitting, enough, it's okay. If you pay, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if you're sitting up front, it's, let's just it's, say, it's less let's bad. just say my, uh, work trip to korea i think i ended up paying to work okay but i'm not doing a 12-hour flight in steerage <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway yeah was able to uh go through do some, some reading do some reading Fuck yeah so i got through the first two years okay of the sermons yeah and i got a lot of notes all right <laughs> Are we are we are we going to go through a couple of those notes right now? Is or it do you okay? Want to? I mean, yeah, I mean, so, so I can lay it lay it lay it down because, um, because what you the, the, one of the comments in the parking lot was like, "Wow, in 2011 you were on fire, fucking fire, dude." Yeah, and yeah, so let's just say that in 2011 I cared a lot more. And you were in a job, so 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 I believe at least for part of that, you and Michael were in Chicago. Yes, we were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which... And then Vancouver. Yeah. So, no, there was good... So, the, the, the big one... Like, I think the most important one from 2011 was actually published already, or printed already, in the Collaborate issue of the zine, um, which is called The Knife. I think yeah. that's the standout yeah. piece from 2011. But there's The Knife, and there's The Knife 2. Part 2, yeah. 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 But uh, I have some notes here on... So, the recipe... Also recently, I think that might be on the, it might be in the journal on the website right now. My is, notes are, this is fucking gold asked to reprint on my site. <laughs> well, that's with a, like three stars. That's like a fine compliment. <laughs> uh, permission granted here in the recording. If you need written, that's fine too. Uh, sacrifice the goal. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I, I just if I don't know if I moved that into the selects folder recently or not, but I think I did. Yeah. Oh, that sacrifice the goal. That's the that's the one that has that talks about Sully landing the plane in the fucking river. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good one. Also, self knowledge and ignorance is universal and eternal. If you cannot get there, then don't mark the point on the map. Note the tool. Sharpen the tool. Redefine the tool. Ooh. That's all in caps I wrote down in my notes. Mic drop. <laughs> Pen drop, keyboard drop, whatever. Yeah. Wow. We could stop there, but I have more. I, we, <laughs> but the, but but this the, 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 this idea, I mean, and this is, I mean, one of the guys that um, is here for the symposium this weekend came from Finland. And, uh, um, and, and we were just talking about like what this is, 
in a in a sense. Like, what is it that we're doing? Not in people the, have asked me, what are you what are you doing? Where are you going? <laughs> what like what's the Salt Lake thing? I don't understand. And the answer I give is okay. We're gonna talk about the philosophy of effort. Hopefully, the people who are attending the symposium are going to ask the questions that they have regarding our philosophy about effort. And that's the, I mean, I was talking with Serge and I just about like, okay, the, the format's a little bit different this time because we're trying to, comp- the, the way that I think it will work better than it has in the past is if we compel participants to ask questions that are specific to them that we can answer in the context of the, you know, this conversation about fitness and effort and overcoming. And that to me is like, look, if you could stand up and I mean, sadly, the seminars in my old organization devolved in, I mean, in the beginning, it was all question and answer. It was like, yeah, we have the, we have these ideas. These are the things that we've, uh, you know, th- this is why you should listen to the answers that we give or the questions that we ask. And ultimately, I mean, it started that way. And the and those those seminar days would, you know, start at nine in the morning and they would go until I was fucking done. And that sometimes is like 12 or 14 hours. Look, I will. And, and they devolved into instructors pontificating about a thesis that was passed off as a truth, the truth, permanent sort of this is the be-all, end-all, and not asking questions, which is like, okay, and when I'm writing sermons asking questions, then obviously questioning the pontificators, and, you know, people don't like to be fucking questioned, especially when they're super fucking insecure. So... The idea to me is like, look, we can't, all of these, the the concepts have to be individualized in some way. You go to a symposium. If you don't ask a question that is individual to you, you will not get an answer or at least an arrow pointed in the direction that, you know, is right for you. Some of the, uh, some of the sermons that I looked at and the notes I've taken, you know, it's like, okay, Good for the seminar, symposium, gathering, quicking, whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, and and I thought that a lot of the again, I didn't get past. Um, I think the last one I read was January 2012. OK, so this was early 2011 and, and you were doing the question reply. Yeah. So people would send me questions and I would answer them. Right. Yeah. And the one was strength climbing. Oh, strength for climbing. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing was like that jumped out at me is how strong is strong enough? And we've talked about that here. (laughs) Yep. Like whatever your objective is, whatever the thing that it is that you do, how strong is strong enough? What do you need to do? there, There are certain strength requirements. Yeah. And being overly strong is going to come with a cost and then the next one you had a extreme alpinism look back okay on your book yeah you know and the thing that jumped out at me was 
the people that are really good at what they do, economy at that level is shocking. And you were talking about a specific thing, but that's true for all endeavors. And I think that and, that and, also is and, a really good. But then, and that the, the idea of of you know physical economy or emotional economy, you know, in you know vis a vis effort, came up again later, um, with the the idea, especially when it comes to to weight, like like at the highest levels of sport sport performance, you are looking for maximum economy. Mm-hmm. You're looking to accomplish the task with the absolute minimum of effort, so that you can do it over and over and over again. Um, but when it comes to uh, and and so economy, therefore efficiency. But when it comes to weight loss, which came up in a later sermon, <laughs> uh, do you want me to shut up? Wait, I, wait, I've got, a, I've got a tangent here. I've got a question for you. So, as you're, are you anchored to these concepts, and does that interrupt your creativity coming forward? So, when you when you write something that's so profound and and reaches people in a way that it's obviously reached Joe and myself and all these other people. Are you, does that drag you away from your ability to create further or does, and, and even with you, Joe, like, are, are you anchored to that so that if Mark came out with something tomorrow that was drastically different from 2011, would the movement forward be progressive and open or, or, or not, you know, do you know what I'm saying? It's interesting to me uh, uh, looking at what Mark was writing uh, in 2010, 2011, like that, that's as far as I got. Okay, so eight years ago. um, And I have my notes. But the thinking evolves, right? So... um, yeah, like so you you build on the idea. So exactly. So everything that's yeah. happened up until that point, whatever is happening now, is based on that, like the roots from twenty eleven or before that or whatever. Right. Yeah. But the things but that we are as, as I was there, or I'm not anchored there. I don't think that was my question. Yeah, I was curious no. if that's like if if you end up if you, if you, if, you, if you but but some things like like so where we're headed with that is like. The, the, the some of the you know the, the top level of sport performance, regardless whether it's you are competing in Olympic lifting or you're you know riding in the tour, efficiency is like the maximum expression. Like that is what you are looking for to achieve the objective with the minimum level of output. Not because you're lazy, but because you need to economize your effort because you need you might want to be able to do it again and again and again and again. Um, it, it, so all I can think about is how that that references your writing, but 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 then that, that if you so if you're, you're on the, the top level of performance, you're looking for actual absolute maximum efficiency. But when someone and then people look at and then they look at the workouts of like what's it, what did that guy do to, to like achieve that amazing thing and like well that's not for you because you're you're trying to fucking lose weight. So you are looking for to do work with a maximum inefficiency because it costs more. And the only way that you're going to lose weight is if you fucking pay. So you need to be doing shit that doesn't come easy to you, that, 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 that s- stresses you to a, a, a maximum level. And all of a sudden, this, this idea where of 
I mean, in the fitness world, the line between performance and weight loss is blurred and it's called fitness and people like just get fucking confused and no one's ever really come out and said, no, you need to be super inefficient. You need to be trying. The reason that like starting something new works so well for losing weight is because it's fucking new. It's brand new. As yeah. soon as you adapt to it, it stops working. You need, if your goal is to continue losing weight, is not to keep stroking your fucking ego about doing this thing that you learned how to do finally and got efficient with. You need to start doing something else that you're inefficient at that costs you a lot of energy. And, but, and, 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 if I said that in 2011, which I did, um, you did. Um, <laughs> probably did. I, 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 I I'm probably, like sitting here, like did, did, <laughs> I, I probably did, and hard. But I, I would not contradict myself now. But I don't think that me being grounded in that eight years ago is preventing me from thinking clearly now, or ex, or being open to other ideas now, because that's the, the, those two things I think are. I, I think that's I'm I'm going with a kind of like universally truthful. Yeah, and I think, you know, I on, think that, on that particular thing. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think that more what I was thinking of was the idea that as Joe, you're presenting these ideas that were from the past. I was curious how that affected you presently. Not not specifically the idea, but just when you're you're referenced with a an accomplishment from the past. Yeah. How does that influence your your future accomplishments or your future goals? That's I think more specifically what I was trying to get at was. I I, I mean if if I look back at the, if I can go back eight years to something that I wrote and said and maybe believed it even a couple of years before that or whatever but if I go back and I go oh that's that's still true that was true then it's still true like I said it's not stopping me from progressing mm-hmm. or expanding it's like oh okay. It reassures me that whatever I'm exploring right now may also be true or become true in a way that like if I got if if I got that right, if there was success here, the, okay, I'm not going to try and repeat it, but but, can, but but at least I can put my hand back and touch it and realize like, okay, I'm so I, I'm not too far I wasn't I wasn't wrong then let's say. And I don't think I'm too far wrong with where I'm exploring, exploring or Mm -hmm. excavating right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a quote. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a quote that I thought was fantastic. One size has not fit all since polyester pants had elastic waistbands. (laughs) Holy fuck. (laughs) With white contrasting stitching, if I recall yes, correctly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the money part. Learn the rules. Practice the rules until you understand them. Follow the rules until they become ingrained. And then, but only then, let go of the rules. Eventually, Make your own rules. It's a pretty good recipe. That's a great recipe. So there's something I'm like, okay, I, I can, I can 
I can sit on that one pretty solidly right now because I would not. There's nothing in that I would change. And and you and, and and as the you know disciplines that I've been trying to learn in my life have changed. Let's just go from sort of climbing to the gym to racing my bike or riding my bike or shooting pictures or writing that is uh yeah it's solid and true for all of those things doesn't matter the means don't matter the discipline doesn't matter those rules i think are applicable to all so nasty little secret december (laughs) ouch December 11th, 2011. I understand my mission is to educate others to lead. That jumped out at me because that is how I try to... uh, That's a philosophy that I take when with the athletes that I work with. So the Heidi's, the Emily's, the Logan's, the like... So it's funny. So that got posted in 2011. Yep. But that is referencing an email exchange between Steve House and I. Yes. Back in late 2000. Yes. So this is an idea that's been around for a long time. A while. And I'm not going back on that one either because I still think it's relevant and true. People have picked up a match or a torch maybe burn themselves with it maybe lit the way for others set some shit on fire and have become more capable and created more opportunity by having done so so the idea of the opportunity you've talked about it in a podcast earlier and you actually wrote about it in a sermon that I don't have the reference to right now, okay. but expanding your map. Yes. So you expand your capabilities. The map you gets bigger. expand your map. Yeah. The map it gets bigger. Yeah. And ultimately, for me, that's why we do what we do. You mean to help people make their maps bigger? Or help our maps, our own our, maps our own get maps. bigger. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I went to a place, I was in South Korea. Two weeks ago, <laughs> like okay, that, that's that, that was Random. not previously on the map, right? Not on the map, yeah. But you also were helping some young fellows compete in a bike race yeah. there, and that turned out okay. It seems it was okay <laughs> until the last seven k. <laughs> oh no, shit! Yeah, but okay, different, different, different. Uh, podcast. To your point. Yeah. To your point. Yeah. I mean, everybody the, the, involved, the, their maps expanded. The, yeah, and the capability that you that you have that resulted, or, or from which that in, invitation resulted, is yeah. something that you've been working on for a long time. Yeah. And and who knows where you'll be invited next? Maybe Bulgaria. <laughs> we did some great bike riding there. Uh, I, I want to say hashtag uh, sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> No, actually, we did. It's just that, you know, when you're riding along and someone has taken the steel protective grade off the storm drain uh, into which your entire wheel could disappear, um, that's less good. That's a problem. Yeah. I think it's it's important 
to make a book of the better of these so-called sermons um, because for a long time, I mean, the, the, originally they were hidden behind, they were behind the paywall. So that means less than 5,000 people have ever read them. Yeah. But there's more than 5,000 people who could benefit from reading them. Exactly. And, and, uh, and later, yeah, a, a few of them have gotten out that I've published on my old personal site maybe my new personal site on the not nonprofit site well, or whatever. Yeah. So there has been some exposure, but I think as a, com- as a complete thesis, and this is what I was struggling with the other day is how to organize because some of the sermons are very focused on actual, you know, sort of applicant, you know, gym fitness. Some of them are a bit more expansive, open, could be applied to more things. Some of them have nothing to do with fitness. Some of it's, you know, political internal bullshit that I was reacting to or whatever generally with good lessons inside. So let's just say like go back and I'm like, okay, out of 200, there's probably a hundred and then maybe there's 50, you know, that are good and 50 are great. So let's go with like, okay, a book of 50 ser- of these sermons, you know, illustrated. I think this is an important thing to do. Some of those ideas are representative of time anchored in a particular period of time. Some of them are anchored to specific events um, one of the things I think that the don't believe the hype one about um, riding down Las Flores and trying to find where the guy got killed. Yes. Uh, you know, on his bike and trying to figure out, like, how did this happen? It was a totally fucking benign corner. This shouldn't happen. Obviously, the guy was overreaching his capabilities, et cetera, et cetera, which is an idea in itself worthy of, of being explored. So some of these things are tied in certain, you know, anchored to certain time, some to very specific events. But still, there are lessons to be learned from them. And I know, based on the two books that we've published this year, that we can create something that is a sort of cultural artifact, in a way, um, that is beautiful, but also valuable as sort of instruction and as a guide. And I, therefore, I think we fucking have to do it. You got to do it because there. there's a bunch of good stuff there. And, and if you, if you're, what you're saying is, um, you've been, you've gotten for the, through the first two years, obviously 2010 was pretty light. 2011, there were a fair number. It starts getting pretty good. Like there, there's more consistency. Oh um, yeah. Yes. Th- later. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the weight, the, the heavy stuff, the, the good stuff has always coincided with difficult times. Well, um, one that might not make the final cut, but I have an, a note of is uh, from May 14th, 2011, entitled Weakness. I don't know anything about that. The note is... <laughs> Lay it on me, man. The ride in Agora. <laughs> oh, I was with Joe Holmes. Oh, oh weakness. Yeah. Yeah. That's an appro- whatever that appropriate, that title is totally appropriate. I was with Joe. He fucking like kicked my ass. No. First he. It was with he, Al. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, oh, motherfucker. Cre- <laughs> we went up to your creek, didn't we? 
Yes, we did. I actually suggested to Payson recently. <laughs> he's been out there. He's been riding. So he's apparently on his ride, his rides lately, he's ridden Fernwood every fucking day. Because oh. I suggested it to him. He goes, I've been doing it every day. And I said, did you, go, did you ever go the wrong direction on tuna? And he goes, nope. Nope. And I said, yeah, I did it only one time and it scared the fuck out of me. I was like totally freaked out. But I told him, I said, I, I highly recommend you go check out Deer Creek from the PCH. It's a fine, if short, and steep climb. Not that good. <laughs> well, he did post the other day, that recently, like maybe it was yesterday. He's like, this is the first time I've ever ridden up Latigo when they weren't filming a car commercial or a fucking movie. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh my God, that is so true. That's awesome. And I don't know, you, sh- you, you need to look because he's got some pictures of, because um, he's tight with Reggie Miller and Reggie rides a bike. Oh, okay. And Reggie rides, you know, mountain bike, road bike or whatever. And, and he's got different, um, he's got a corner named, out. he's got Payson Corner named on the Payuma Climb because apparently at some point they were riding the pass and they regrouped there, whatever. And, um, and Reggie Miller on a bike is something to see because he's a large guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and if you haven't listened to the adventure stash, which is Payson's podcast episode, number one was with Reggie because Payson is a basketball super fan. Like wow. seriously, serious. Like he knows all of the cool shit that happened in specific games during specific eras episode number one of the adventure stash podcast that Payson does was with Reggie. And it's because they got it. They got to, they, they, they somehow linked up over bikes. That's awesome. And a six foot 10 dude on a mountain bike is, I'm just like, is that a, like, does he have like a 31 er? Cause a 29 er would be like tiny. Anyway, he's yeah. Payson's podcast is fucking amazing. And that episode with Reggie is doubly good. Recommend it to anybody. Uh, I digress. So, four-part series entitled Punk, produced by Iggy Pop. Oh, <laughs> click on that. Uh, so, so this show yeah. that is a four-part show produced by Iggy Pop, and it talks about the punk movement. Okay. The, yeah. ma- the, the main point, though, of what you're doing and what they did is the DIY like do it your fucking self and that's what like that's what you've done with refuge that's what you've done with the anthology like that's and and that's the thing that struck me i mean ethos came from that yeah i mean for me at least is and it's not sort of like i know better and so i'm going to do it all myself it's just like i kind of want it done a certain way i mean andrew eldridge said it you know in an interview at some point and you know, vocalist for the Sisters of Mercy, he's just like, look, sooner or later, it's going to come down to somebody has to decide how it's going to go, and that's probably going to be me. And, and and I'll I'll stay up all night making it so that it can be right. And I don't come across a lot of people. Well, I do now because I I have a pretty good filtering mechanism. <laughs> and good sensitivity for stuff. But back in the day, it's like, look, I don't come across a lot of people who are willing to do that. Like who is up all night dedicated and then still getting up to go to fucking work in the morning. If they went to sleep at all to make something that sits right with their heart, with them. 
and I think the reason that you know people won't do it is because it's fucking hard. It is hard, and and there aren't and there aren't handouts, and there's a lot of frustration, and a lot of times you put something out, and it's like the reaction is negative, and then you feel like the reaction to the product is a commentary on your own self worth, and if that comment on the product that you can't set, differentiate yourself from if that comment is negative then those people are commenting on you as a person and you're just going to fucking stop doing it if you can't take it if you don't have a thick skin if you can't disregard their judgment because their taste is shit you're going to stop and then you're just going to get a fucking job or you're going to start like following some religion that tells you what to do and I guess the reason that here we are in our non-profit religious organization is that uh, I was able to take it. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone involved here is able to take it. We're doing something that we believe in. And and we question, like we question <laughs> the norm. Well, and then we question <laughs> ourselves. And <laughs> Well, and, there's the self-loathing. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck, I, when did that, that came up. <laughs> I, I actually it that came up, up a so lot. actually no the podcast so we're uh, right now as we speak hopefully there's a new episode E3 is going up and it's through the RPI you know post RPI 2019 um, and it was you know Keegan was in the room Michael myself and Trevor uh, Trevor had a you know great time uh, Keegan had a pretty good time Michael had a pretty good time I had a less good time um, but we were we were talking about the like self-loathing as motivation. I'm just like, fuck that just shit that doesn't last. Like you can't it just like that burns that burns pretty fast. Cause often self-loathing, if let me just I'm gonna I'm gonna out you a little bit here. <laughs> Many times a self-loathing training ride for Joe has been preceded by a couple of bottles of Barolo the evening before. So he's like working off the fucking, al- you know, the, the, the sugar alcohol and, and, uh, and, and that sort of, and that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, you head out on a self-loathing ride that lasts, that, that ends up lasting four hours. Well, the self-loathing can fuel that for about 90 fucking minutes. And after that, you're just in no man's land and you're wondering how the fuck I got here <laughs> saying shit. Like I'll never do that again. And then of course you do it again, but, well, it's, you're looking at your phone. You got something I'm, for me? Uh, 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 I don't have the notes. So <laughs> I have giving thanks. Oh. 11. That, uh, I, I, so November actually, 2010. Yeah. But there's a better one. The giving talk, thanks one from 2010 is actually pretty good. It's oh, good. No, it's we're very t- optimistic. Wait, hang on. It's, hang it, on. Yeah. You're looking for food zombies, I believe. Yes. That's the uh, sermon. <laughs> that would be Thanksgiving 2011. And yes. that would be talking Great about stuff there <laughs> yes pay for like pay up front pay up front pay up front because you because you get all the promises you make for yourself about paying for it afterwards never come true uh, exactly yeah i remember that because michael came to thanksgiving dinner he's just like yeah <laughs> i did 2500 calories on the fucking airdyne before dinner so that i could actually eat dinner and enjoy it and i'm like fuck yeah but then just watching people like mindlessly like there's an abundance of food because we're giving thanks for the abundance of food f- that we now feel obliged to fucking consume and just like not thinking but just having conversation while the hand mindlessly reaches for the treats 
And okay. I, I just it 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 blew me away to actually to see that and think like, wow, you all are not present. Like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're talking, and you're talking, and you're engaged in the conversation, but your body is doing this other thing, which involves you getting fucking fat. Okay, so food zombies. <laughs> November 27th, 2011. Don't stop. Wait, by the way, that dinner that I was at that night. Was it amazing? Was, yeah, it was, it was really good. Okay. Don't stop with the heavy petty. Get off without regret. (laughs) And to do Wait, that, don't stop you, with the heavy petting. Get, get off, off without regret. Without regret. <laughs> awesome. And to do that, you need to protect yourself beforehand. <laughs> and I'm not talking about condoms. I think I don't remember. I don't what know. 2011 was like. I but, was yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wrote down as a quote. So okay, <laughs> don't stop with the heavy petting. Oh my god, lay that on me again. <laughs> Actually, don't because people, yeah, people won't want to read it and they won't buy the book, which we'll eventually put out. But. No, you should read the book because this is kind of shit that you need to think about. Uh, Honestly, my, myself included, yourself included, Eric included. A, like I'm, it's all this is I'm all a couple stuff bottles we, of wine. Okay, apparently, so. so which is awesome. Now I just want to. I'm just like, tell me about Spain in 2015. That's when I'm like, it was that the year I can't even remember. But anyway, um, ooh, this sounds like it's going to get serious, Joel. It's not going. I just can't think of the word. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I thought you were like. Like drifting back in time and thinking about something super serious, but yeah. what you were what what was happening was like a lack of where I'm at right now. It's yeah. like it's caloric. Uh, yeah, where are you at, Joe? I mean, we haven't talked forever, man. Mostly because I told you to fuck off every time you try to call me. But yeah, pretty whatever, much. Yeah. yeah. When you actually <laughs> answered, I was super surprised that I didn't know what to do, but. <laughs> <laughs> I got all confused. Like I was like, wait, you know, it's not an answering machine. Yeah, oh my god! Oh, fuck! I gotta <laughs> talk to a real life human being. Then he might say something I don't want to hear. <laughs> but it wasn't like that because you know we love each other. And I have oh no man, idea. I, 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 I don't know where we were look, going. I just got you all emotional, and you just totally distracted. You were looking for a word, and then you just sort of was like, oh, I'm so full of love right now. And so on that note, I'm gonna bring up the fact that perhaps been on the podcast already but mm-hmm. Ray's has been entered into the Banff you know Refuge has Refuge sorry Refuge yeah 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 entered in, entered into have the we Banff book about festival that? no we we did talk we did mention it but we haven't mentioned the outcome yet because it's not yet been announced to the public so let me announce it to the public right now do it <laughs> super excited about it because I'm going to, f- where is it, Calgary? 
Nah, yeah, you, you would fly into Calgary. I don't know where the fuck it was. Are you, are you, yeah, anyway. So, Banff Mountain Book Festival, where Extreme Alpinism and Kiss or Kill both performed actually pretty well. So, Jack Tackle, after receiving a copy of Refuge, said, hey, man, you should enter this, enter this into the Banff Mountain Book Festival competition. And I said, but Jack, this is not a mountain book. And he goes, but it's of the mountains. I'm like, all right, fuck it. So I contact Joanna and say, like, hey, I got this book, and maybe I'd like to put it in the thing. And we, Anyway, we go through all the, the procedural shit, and I send some up there, and the jury takes a look at it. Uh, Refuge did not even make the short list. Joe Holmes is stunned. Everybody else who I've mentioned it to has actually had access to the book is also stunned. So partial, and there's a variety of reasons. It is a, as Joanna said, a challenging book, and I know that. I didn't think it was right for that competition because it's not a fucking mountain book. It's a book about coming down from the mountains, about getting away from the mountains. It's a book that has some mountain imagery in it, but the rest of it is not about that it's about it's about walking away from the mountains so that's part of it it doesn't also it doesn't fit into a category it doesn't fit into mountain imagery because mountain imagery books in that category generally do not have text it doesn't fit into mountain literature because it doesn't have enough text so it's not gonna win do i care no do i think the jury is wrong eh. I like, I like this because you've always been about pushing the boundaries. This seems about pushing the boundaries to me. Like, what the fuck? Seriously? Well, and this is something that Thurk and I have been talking about throughout the afternoon, is the, is the all-encompassing idea of, like, look, the mountains are not just what, they, what you see them on postcards. And the mountain experience, especially with a climber, the, the, the climber always has to come down, but no one wants to talk about that. No one wants to talk about the discomfort, the sense of sort of, I don't want to say alienation, but like like be feeling out of place in the valley after having been up there. No one is talking about it. Everyone is talking about the up and the summit and the glory and you know whatever else comes with that. But how do you recover from that? How do you if integrate that into your life? And that's sort of what that book is about is even in the basic sense, even even like it's the reintegration into Yeah. Quote unquote normal, normal life. Yeah. Like that's what it's about. And, and the fact that they aren't willing to look at that at like at it's, that base level, like what the fuck? But but this is the but this is the sort of like I think in the context and what Thurk and I have been talking about is like, yeah, no one's talking about it, and so this partic that particular book, let's say, not specifically trying to solve a problem or any fucking thing, but it is the first exam. Like like you look at it, they get the book and they're like, oh, this is an alien object. Like they don't recognize it because of the formula of sort of a, you know looking at and then judging books in that particular context for a long time and but 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 that but that doesn't have anything to do with the jury or the organization it has to do again with human nature hence the zine rays you know with uh, being in a fist fight with human nature is like look there is a different side to this that has nothing to do with ascent 
it has to do with descent and no one is talk no one talks about it no one talks about that sensation of coming back down to the valley and finally recovering from that sort of difficult experience that you might have had in the mountains and once you recover from it needing to go back but then making a decision ultimately later in life like, like no going back up is not an option i need to get right to be comfortable with down here because my life has changed and it's true for i i think a lot of people guys who were you know that i know that were climbing and pushing really hard early in their lives and then fell in love with a woman and got married and decided to have children and realized that look the risks that i took the things that i was seeking are things that I cannot allow myself anymore. And my life with my family now, my work that I do in order to support that and create and like developing a, like a future, I'm like trying to create a future. I can't do those things that I used to do. So how do I fucking get, uh, how, how do I live? With, you know, I've, I've watched attack ships burning off, you know, Orion. And now I'm fucking down here. What do I, like, how do I, how is that okay? Like, how is that okay? Like, how can I be good with that? And that's what the book explores. It's what the last 20 fucking years of my life has been working at because it is my personal experience of stopping. I quit doing the thing that made me who I am. Who fuck, who am I and how do I live? How do I survive? And so that it doesn't win an award, that it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. I mean, I have a, the, 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 the band festival, you know, they've, they've accommodated me. I have a print uh, or an ex exhibition of 17 prints that are up there. I think, uh, 17, 13, I can't remember. I think it's eight and five something. Anyway, five big ass ones and eight smaller ones. And I'm doing a spoken word gig. And part of my mission with that spoken word gig is to like try and express that message that maybe the jury didn't get from actually relating with the book itself that maybe I inaccurately communicate or failed to communicate with the, with the book I can do in person with the book as my prop. Was that a nice way to say that Thurk? You know, my real mission. And that's the thing too, is like, how can you expect a jury to understand a concept that's not being discussed like this is the reaction that they should be having because they're it's new like it's a it's a it's a it's a conversation that needs to be had and as it starts to people will look back on it and say this was something that was happening and we it was in front of us and we should have talked about it 15 years before refuge but now the conversation started happening and it, it was messy. Oh and, yeah, and it should be. And and you've always and you've always put the, you've always pushed those uh, definitions, yeah. those limits. Like that's what you've done. And this is one more step. I was like, God damn, I'm so misunderstood. <laughs> Which now you know, when I'm younger, I'm like, that that has a greater effect, and now. I'm like, oh, 
I can actually step back and realize, like, okay, I'm willing to accept that the concept was inaccurately expressed, potentially, um, but also totally certain that this is based on interactions I've had with other individuals who have read the book and contacted me and said, look, I've been in a similar situation. Thank you for like putting this con, you know, this idea out there. Um, and then having going through these, you know, some email exchanges with him to realize like, holy shit, there are a lot of people struggling with this concept of coming down. And that does, that doesn't sound misunderstood to me. It just sounds like you're finally hitting the audience you need to. You've, you've struck yeah. a, a nerve again where you can start to have the conversations that's, that's necessary. And because of that, you'll start to see more of those opinions bubble to the surface where you're, you're looking around all of a sudden you're saying, oh, there's a ton of people who have this perspective. And, and, and which has been completely quiet. And had nowhere to go with it. Yeah. And so now they can say, no, look at this. This is something where this is my experience. Yeah. This is my friend's experience. This is why I can't relate to my girlfriend, my brother, my family. So if Banff doesn't see that now, that's good because they're not looking in the right direction. Because that means it's, 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 it's something. And it's not for them. No, it's for, it's for that one or two or 10 or 50 or 500 people that look at it and say, this is helping me get through this process that I didn't even know I was going through. You're putting words and images to something that doesn't exist yet. On a, on a larger conversational scale, how can it be perfect for everyone? It's and, p- particularly a jury. And for yeah. me, you've always, you have always been a step ahead. Kiss or kill. That was my introduction to you. Kiss or kill. Like, that was like, fuck. Okay, this is a guy that gets what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking right now. And, and and how perfect, Joe, for that to be the way that people reference refuge. Yeah. This was my introduction to this conversation. This is exactly how I was feeling. No one else can relate to how I'm feeling about that. And it's just, it's the evolution of an experience. Yep. And un- it's what's unfortunate is that so many people have been going through that already that we're now just, we're playing catch up. And I was drawn to some very personal experience having to do with words that I had written and someone whose life utterly changed based on reading those words ultimately wasn't a great outcome I'll call it an accident in the mountains and this, this, this guy had been influenced by words that I'd written um, was killed and uh, been in contact with uh, his widow Blair and and to, to recognize that the, 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 the big piece that caused uh, sort of that helped Travis sort of change his life was words that I had written like and 
and those words made him feel that he was not alone. But the flip side of that is when I'm writing these words, I wasn't writing them. And if we specifically talk about twitching or anything else, it doesn't fucking matter. But I'm not, I wasn't writing them necessarily as the authority, as the figure of the person saying, okay, this is the way it is. But it's also me basically sending out a radio signal to see whether or not I was alone. What I realized in the exchange with Blair is that the writing that I was doing and publishing and putting out there was also me and like, yeah. okay, I'm a, I'm a coyote and whatever. And I'm just like, hey, am I out here on my own? And, but, and people are taking it as, some people are reading it and realize and, and using it in their own lives to understand that they aren't alone, that someone else is thinking this. But then when something comes back, when the contact that I've had with her and with others comes back and it real and it real and I understand that I was also sending the signal, I was howling and people howled back and that makes it fucking worthwhile we are sort of circling under the same constellation. We're all, maybe we are around a similar campfire and maybe that's a part from normal society or whatever that makes us feel alienated and marginalized in a certain way. Um, but if, uh, you know, if I had the bigger mouth, yeah, but, I could, but I could, all I could that, to be, but you know, all, but all of that, that's getting, processed from others I think what's happening and isn't focused on and should be is you're you're explaining an experience as it's happened to you whether any any experience that as a writer just as a writer when you put something down on paper you're saying this is what I walked down the street today and this is what happened if I say to you I also walked down the street today when we, we, we have a conversation. I walked down the street today too. I totally related to what it was like to walk down the street. Yeah. That's fine that I share that experience, but you were the first to say, I'm walking down the street. So it's, it's relatable, but the expectation to do that is huge because what you're doing is you're setting the blaze. You're setting the fire to say, this is an experience that I've had. I don't know if you've had it. I don't know if you can relate to it. I don't know if you care about it, but here it is. And then when the, the echo comes back, it's easier. It's easier for me to say, yeah, this, this is a topic that I totally understand I can relate to because it took me no effort to put it out there. Put it out there in the first place. But what changed for me in the last two months vis-a-vis -vis this exchange is to recognize that like me saying that I walked down the street was also asking, has anyone else walked down the street? Completely. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and but I never recognized it as that before. I right. never right. recognized what I was putting out. It was like me, you know, being a fucking juvenile delinquent arsonist setting a fire and seeing if people would see it. Right. But what I recognized in this exchange was like, holy shit, she held back. This guy, you know, 
he howled back. And not only other people. And that made me realize that like, okay, there's others like that. So it's a reciprocal feeling. It is. It is absolutely reciprocal, but I didn't recognize, you know, what I was doing with the original howl, which is, I until think now, and I'm a fucking 57 year old man, but I think that's like, that like, the original howl, I think that that first step into the void, I think is what's happening with refuge where you're taking that first step and it, it's not an easy step. And I think the harder it is, you may see a, a, a greater benefit because it's a harder conversation to have. Yeah. Push, push that envelope even farther and, and then, and, and watch what happens. You know, because you now you're you're polarizing, and now all of a sudden, just like what Joe was saying with kiss or kill, it's make a make a strong statement, and all of a sudden you've yeah. got you've got a, you make a statement, and people will read about it, and some may identify with it as I did, and like that's a movement. It can't. It, it can it's, be. A movement. Yeah. it's a movement. It's a movement. Like we're talking about a movement. I think we're talking about avoidance. We're, we're there's there's certain topics that are avoided, and there are people that need to shine a spotlight on those things, yeah. in order for nothing else, just for us to talk about them. Yep. And I think that's what's happening with refuges. It's the catalyst to a conversation about something that nobody's really interested in talking about, but the few that are are desperate to i kind i kind of i actually dig this if i can draw a parallel just like kiss or kill 2000 <laughs> refuge 2019 like okay it took 19 years to make a second fuck you know the third fucking book or the one that followed up that was the thing it's kind of better because of it i think when you put kiss or kill in a in a in a bookshelf next to refuge, they are, they're just chapters is the wrong word, but they're two period pieces of yeah. something where you can hand kiss or kill to a teenager and you can say, here's your blueprint for X, Y, or Z. And then 19 years later, you can say, now that you've got into that trouble, here's refuge. <laughs> this get you will, out of this it. will get you out of it. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> and 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 that as a, made, as the highest compliment I can. Well, no, and I, I'm just and I'm looking at I'm going like fuck. That may actually be the highest, com the greatest compliments ever been paid to those two pieces of work. It's like here's how to get into trouble, and uh, hopefully this will help you get out. Like if yeah, I don't know where these 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 pieces sit. I just know that I can't not write. Um, and I can't not make or, or create. And if we're talking about the, I, I think the book, the, the sermon book, I actually think, I mean, it'll be the next big piece that nonprofit, you know, puts together. And there are some others sort of in the wings that are percolating, if you will. But I, I think the book of sermons actually could be more, certainly more important than Kill or Kill and, 
the the anthology and and it will and, and it'll be different and it's when it's fine and when, when it finds you yeah it found joe tonight and he couldn't yeah. sit still because of the impact of the words and i think that it it isn't to say that as a teenager that's the only time when you you know you, that you're susceptible to that yeah it's not it's, true it's just, it's just not true because you there are people reading i had a friend who read twitching the other day for the first time and the impact was so it, it was to the point where they were like i'm gonna read everything that i can find twitching twitching for me was the thing was like okay this guy this Mark Twight guy, like, he understands me. I get the cultural references. Like that was, like that was the thing for me. And then playlist and then, and is so out of date. But no, that's the it isn't. Th- it's not. Like, that's that's what's, it's not out of date. Okay, that's what's and, so frustrating about the, the whole situation. <laughs> so it's so the relevant. Attitude, the attitude, like everything. And then refuge. I've been trying to keep all of my thoughts off of any sort of recorded device. So you're really <laughs> screwing me up here, Joe. <laughs> Getting everything out there. But n- name, I was just thinking, name another book like Kiss or Kill in the Alpine, Mountain, whatever. Name another that's that's similar to that. Because I remember in my experience everything that I was reading was about the flowered meadows of Kleinescheidegg and the beauty of the stars. Well, they were only talking you're... about the flowered meadows of Kleinescheidegg because they were afraid they were going to fucking die on the North Face of the Iger the next day. <laughs> it was like, I need to just touch a little beauty before I get fucking... But, then, they... but, but, what, happened, but what happened after that it was, was... romantic. Right, it, it was. Everything, everything was. so romantic. Right, and, and the parallel to that is is now again with Refuge, where... We are living in this age where everything related to the mountains is positive. Is yeah. it has a great ending, and there has to be another story. The other, the flip side of what you are seeing exists always. Do you want to have a conversation about it? And for the most part, I, I think it's I think it's no. When it comes to the difficult and dark side, you know, of the mountains. And I even think labeling it in that way is doing it a disservice because it's just a part of it. Like we were talking, yeah, we were talking it's about not it's, a flip side. It's yeah. just like no, this is part and parcel of exactly. every single mountain experience. Exactly. Just as we were saying, like the, there's no good and bad. It's just it's just all part of it. And there's a I think a a movement to sort of try and separate the two to say these are good experiences, these are bad experiences, let's not talk about the bad experiences. Yeah, or let's, A, we're trying not to have them, therefore if we don't talk about them, maybe we won't, which is completely, untru- which all that does is leave you unprepared for when they happen. And it hits you so hard. Because it's only been like sunny weather and beautiful postcards. And then you look around to, to talk to people to gain support, and all of a sudden all you see is people just smiling at you saying, well, that's not my experience. Yeah, and and unable to communicate that particular uh, about that particular side of it because they have avoided it entirely in the first place. Aggressively, and, and, uh, ag- yes. <laughs> Let me be honest. This is my experience, and this is what this is what the mountains have given and provided. This is what the mountains have cost. It is not neutral. 
it hasn't and sometimes i mean i look back now i'm just go no it wasn't worth it maybe it wasn't fucking worth it because i would if i had not been involved i would never would have known i would never have you know started the list of people that are no longer here never started the list or started thinking about late at night like the the experiences that didn't happen because the person that I could have had them with is no longer here. Like, that's it. That's part of it. Let's let's have a conversation about it. Let's like deal with it because I think a lot of the instability <clears throat> with um, for people emotional instability for people who have st- who have spent a lot of time in the mountains comes from the fact that we just never address the shit that like oh yeah that guy got killed and he was my fucking best friend and like yeah thoughts and prayers you know or whatever and then and then it's and then it's just fucking sequestered and suppressed and put away so that we can actually keep living but i think the healthier way is like let's fucking get it on let's talk about this stuff what will happen next is is now we'll categorize. So your experience of tragedy or loss in the mountains oh, fuck. will is not the same as mine. Oh, competitive tragedy now? I'm so sad. I'm way sadder than you are. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm so much more sad than no, you. No, you have no Oh, idea. no, no. Let me know. I wear all black. Oh. Every day. Well, you're really depressed. Even my shoes. That makes me I, sad. No, I have bright underwear. Because like you know, because you're underlying an optimist. <laughs> yeah, <the> closet <laughs> optimist. So I, I have like hot pink underwear. Or but, you know, like, but it's just, become part. But no, but true, no, true. True. It, as soon as we start talking about it, you're talking about it. It will become competitive, and that is just fucking so horrible. And then we should all locusts, please, locusts <laughs> now. What's a take? What's a take? I, I don't know. I don't know. But the whole thing. I don't know. But truly, the, the idea of then of, of of devaluing, and I don't think competitive, but devaluing your own experience based on the high point that is set as the standard. So you know. So what is it? Is it quantity? Like how many people do you know that died? I think it's location. Is it like that. I think it's location. What do you mean? Yeah. So like if you're where did they die? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, car yeah. crash. Yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah, not a big deal. Yeah. No yeah, big deal. Yeah. Oh, was he striving in the mountains? How hard, happened? Yeah, how hard was he working in the mountains? <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. I just don't want this to be true, man. I don't want this to be true, and I'm afraid that you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Did he die doing what he loved to do? <sighs> Joe, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck, if we could just stop on that sigh right there, I, would, I can do it in the edit. God, I felt the heat oh, from that over shit. here. Wow. That came across the room. Because in order to deal, because we are, we don't have the facility, we don't have the, 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 the habit of dealing with it, of addressing and talking about loss like that, the easy thing is to start sort of compartmentalizing and go, yes. well, at least he died doing what he loved, as opposed to what? Like oh. dying, doing something you fucking hated, or just dying, or just dying, just old age. Yeah, just it's just like oh, he was he mowing died. the lawn, and all of a sudden he died. He fucking hated that lawn. <laughs> he wanted a condo. She wanted a fucking house. Whatever. He had the lawn. It like became like exactly. a fucking mower. Like, like I, what the fuck? Start to like okay, I can reduce the impact on myself 
if I start putting these filters in between me and the actual reality. Like, yes, he happened to be in the mountains, which he loved doing. He happened to be climbing, which he loved doing. But it has nothing it to do with the, it, the, the victim. Ha- it has nothing to do with the victim. It has everything to do with you and I trying to wrap our heads trying around. Trying to have a conversation. And, 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 but but not actually, but tr- not trying to have an honest conversation. No. I think is it. Oh, it's absolutely. Just like, you're, look, you're just we... trying to get words in between the two of you so you can not address what you're actually feeling, which is this person's gone. I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how to deal with that. And my entire landscape of the next years of my life has been totally changed. And I don't want to fuck. So I start to try and soften it with those epithets of doing what he loved of, Oh my God, he was, he, she, what it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. But we start like trying to soften it by assigning characteristics that are not real. They're not true or relevant. And, and 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 unfortunately, I think that's that is a, a a bit of our human nature. It's self it's self preservation in a way, um, but it's but it's all it's avoidance. Like Mike, you brought, you brought that 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 up before. It's like this is avoidance. Different context, but it's like, what can I put in between me and reality that makes it okay for me to get up and go to work tomorrow? Refuge. No shit. That you put something like that piece of work between you and the pain that you're feeling, and all of a sudden it becomes a little bit easier to process because now you're you're looking at something that's not that's honest, and it's not your friend, brother, sister, mother, father saying something trite. Yeah, it's getting too dark in here. Oh, I, I don't so, want to deal. So, so I just get warmed up. I just I don't want to deal with the dark anymore. <laughs> Unless I can talk like this. Hmm. I mean, gallows humor exists for a fucking reason. Yeah. It's like we can't handle the fucking truth. We need to make morbid fucking jokes. The time I the time I spent working on an ambulance, I oh jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh wow, there were some lines that you had to I had to remind myself of where like these jokes are these are appropriate for this environment these jokes stay in the ambulance kind of because like I'd come home and night shift yeah I'd come home and uh, those jokes weren't as funny to my wife oh I imagine not yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, but 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 she was she's great enough to understand she said you know she she could piece it together and say okay I see what's happening here Clearly, you're coping, and it's and, and and I think a lot of the behavior really is coping mechanisms. You know, that for we, sure. That we, I think you take that away from a lot of the people that are 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 in that sort of work, and there isn't a blueprint for how else to sort of handle it. Yeah, it 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 has to be characterized in that way. I mean, I mean, I have a conversation with Sean Kingry, and, and he's a firefighter, and his specialty is sort of like the heavy rescue kind of stuff, like like crazy. Stuff. But but you just go on whatever calls you go on, and like I, and and honestly, I don't know, I don't understand how he can process it on a sort of daily basis. And obviously, he spends a lot of time on his on his on his bike and just trying to obliterate, you know, feeling feeling, you know, with another feeling. But 
like to have that be to have that carnage and tragedy and loss and obviously you're trying to help and sometimes you can sometimes you can't you and not, don't forget you're working and not only is that it's your it's jo- a job it's a job um but to 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 confront that all of the time and have that in one's life like okay the at that point i'm just like yeah gallows humor it's it is the pressure you know it's the release valve on the fucking pressure cooker totally yeah like yeah not not in a way it absolutely is yeah if, if i just had to take this at face value every fucking day i'd be i'd be a i'd be tomorrow's call not you know, even whether not, guys come like oh yeah there was a performance art suicide you know downtown and <laughs> it was okay it's super it was it, it's all recorded and it's but it's kind of messy but i think it, it, it ended a little bit too quickly i wanted to go on because you know but, but that's i think also to what we were talking about before about the uh he died doing what he's, he loved it if you have to mirror the emotion that you're being presented from the families from the you know from from everyone that you're sort of with you you can't sustain that you can yeah there's a a a way to sort of navigate that obviously it's not cracking jokes in front of in front of the family in front of a lot of people (laughs) mostly everyone else who wasn't there in the circumstances anyone not in uniform did you (laughs) did you well i do apologize because um Unfortunately, we were not sober, didn't have enough room on the uh, card, and uh, so the conversation got cut short. However, we didn't solve any problems or uh, come to any meaningful conclusions, and uh, so there you have it, a rather wandering, alcohol-fueled conversation. Uh, We'll try and do better next time. So, uh, Thurk, thanks for joining us. Joe Holmes, sober up, and uh, I'll do the same.